Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ann and Ellis Podcast. No, God, please, no! going on Megan hello hello I uh, feel like I just saw you because I did we worked together again this weekend so good to see you on the podcast and it was a blast working with you it was, it was one hell of a weekend that's for sure yeah we had a crazy weekend for those of you listening who are in our industry <sighs> yeah that's all I can say mid-october it's a lot it is so fun though I you know you, you were just telling me before we got on the show that you were like up really late last night. This time of year when I'm going wedding to wedding, I have a hard time relaxing and bringing my energy down. Like For sure. I had Sunday off and in my brain, I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not doing anything. And I got to Sunday and I didn't want that. As as beautiful as that sounded, I just felt like I should be working somewhere, doing something. So Yeah, it's, it's really tough for me to get back on a normal sleep schedule when you know as an example on saturday i didn't get done djing until midnight and then i was an hour and 45 minutes away so by the time i tear down and get home i mean it's it's super late and i i always try to get a little bit of caffeine going on before that drive home so i'm as alert as possible but it's 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 absolutely impossible to say okay it's sunday night time for bed at 10 30 and then up at six or seven o'clock because my mind just truly it, it starts to wake up and really fire on all cylinders by the time like 10 10 30 rolls around it's crazy so i didn't get to bed until like 3 30 in the morning last night so and a big reason for that is uh, about a drone about the DJI yeah. Pro drone. And so uh, it was a little bit deceiving because they say, oh, well, you don't need a, you don't need to, to, to license it. You don't need a drone operator's license because it weighs less than 250 grams, which is true. The drone itself weighs 249 grams. But what they don't tell you, or they do tell you in very fine print, and you got to go on Reddit and YouTube and find all these things is by the time you put the battery in, it goes over that weight threshold. So then you need to register. Now, registering a drone takes 25 minutes and $5 for three years. So there's nothing to it other than, and now I'm trying to do everything as legit as possible because God forbid I'm flying this thing and a sheriff comes around and they're like, you know, you're in a, you're in a controlled airspace. You can't be here. I want to see your, your license. I don't think a lot of drone operators that use it recreationally register their drones based on what I was hearing. And to me, that's that's pretty dangerous. I mean, for $5, why wouldn't you? But you also have to pass this drone operators test um, that isn't difficult necessarily, but it's like five different chapters. And so I was taking that test at like 
two thirty in the morning, and so my brain was in test mode yeah. and analytical mode, and so I passed it. I got the printed certificate and stuff and registered it with the FAA and got a sticker that's coming that you're supposed to put on the drone but anyways three o'clock rolls around and i'm like oh my god i'm not gonna be able to sleep and the minute i got to bed my son came down and hopped in bed with us for he said his eye hurt which i i don't think he's i don't know he's just picking a body part at that point just to get in, yeah whatever so then i went up to his room to sleep and and whatever so i'm just i'm finding myself staying up late working it's not like i'm staying up eating popcorn, watching Netflix. I mean, I'm working, but the downside of that, and maybe some fellow night owls that are listening and watching can feel my pain a little bit here. There's a level of anxiety when you wake up at like nine o'clock or, you know, cause I try to get at least seven, eight hours of sleep if yeah. I can, cause I want to stay healthy and not get sick specifically this time of year. But when you wake up to a plethora of emails from people that have been up since six o'clock, it's like your day doesn't just gradually begin it's like you wake up and oh there's eight emails or there's three text messages and there's this and there's this you know, people are coming in hot because they've been up so there's a blessing and a curse of, of all of that so that's what i'm dealing with right now absolutely and I, I was listening to another podcast i follow rachel hollis she has a two podcasts now she does a start today which is kind of one for people who have a goal or you know something they're working on and she i thought this is really valuable she said everybody has a optimal time of day when they have are at their highest energy they're most creative when they get the most work done it does, it's not the same for every person and yours very well might be because of all your years of being up late you might be that person that yeah. is functions better from you know midnight to three it's quiet in the house the creative juices are flowing you can concentrate um but like you said sleeping in then i hate i've been i hate that feeling of like feeling behind then when you wake up and you and I've been talking to, I kind of like a lazier morning I'm discovering where like not lazy, but like, I just like to putz around my house and throw it a load of laundry and figure out what's going to be for dinner and do a little cleaning. And, but if I don't check my email in an ideal world, I'd be like, I'm not touching my phone till 10 AM. Yeah. When I don't, I get, I feel behind and I don't like that feeling. And, uh, it was interesting. I was, you know, talking to my sister about, I said, I just was so looking forward to this day of doing nothing. And the day got there on Sunday and I didn't enjoy it. And I, I said, I wonder why that is. And honestly, I think sometimes, I don't know if anyone else in the industry is like this. Like, I really enjoy what I do. And so being at the weddings this past weekend and you just like, you know, doing the setups and you're productive and people are happy. And so many people came in and, and said how great things were. And you're just making exciting things happen for people. And like, that's kind of a high, you know, I think what we do is kind of a, if you think about our industry, we're there for like this high emotional event with lots of moving parts. And we're all kind of in production mode. Like we're putting on a show every, so like, I think when like people perform, I'm not saying, saying we're on that level, you know, we're Taylor Swift, you know, um, but you're in a performance mode and when it goes well and it's fun, that energy, it's, it's kind of hard to come down off of that. So I didn't have a lot on my plate Sunday, but I didn't, couldn't relax and you couldn't sleep. So yeah, it's, it's a different type of energy that you have coming off of events that a lot of people will just never quite understand it's and and it's the same sort of mental fatigue that you have after <clears throat> a full day of tours yeah. or a full day of consultations again that's 
that's hard for somebody who works construction or a lot of manual labor focused jobs to understand that because it's two different types of exertion, right? And I've done both. I've done the manual labor and 12 hour shifts and nonstop and barely any breaks. I've felt that for many years in my, in my, in my life. This is, it's just a different level because if you're meeting with somebody via Zoom, if you're meeting with somebody in person for a tour, you're giving it everything you've got. And with my office being downstairs, I sign off, I go upstairs. I'm just like, man, daddy's had a busy day. And my kids are like, yeah, but you were home all day. It's like, yeah, I know. I I know. And it's just, again, it's, it's, it's impossible to, uh, to explain. I, I think what we were, we were wanting to really dive deep, um, into today was reviews. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I think, I don't know what night it was, must've been like Friday night. I was up, you know, not going to sleep. Got a Google review that popped in from our Galena venue. And it just made me think like, we've got to talk about this. I'm not the only one. So got a, a three-star review, which is a punch in the gut. Yeah. Um, said great place, which I'm always like, uh, just wish the dance floor had been in the center of the room. And I sat there for a second and I was like, this just, you know, feels wrong, right? To me, a, a three-star review is if you've had a really negative experience somewhere. Um, and as professionals in this industry, our Google reviews, our, our platforms are huge. And so what do you do with that? So I would love to dig deep in today and just chat with you about like, what do you do with those? Do you reply? Do you not? What do you do with the great ones? You, you reply. What happens? I had a friend in the industry who had false reviews, like somebody hacked and was, they weren't even clients of hers and they were putting bad reviews out there. Uh, and she was just like, we all panic. Right. So, and, and how important, and you may even know some of the hacks or things. I don't, I don't know. Like, what do you do? How do you actually get a, a false review off of your platform? Does Google really listen? You know, um, I don't know. It's just an interesting topic and I'm sure I'm not the only one that I was just like, Oh, thanks. Thanks for you leave yourself very susceptible to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to leave a review for you when you're on Google. Because with Google, you can put in whatever type of review you want and stay somewhat anonymous. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you a question because I'm down on this kind of stuff. Can you turn off reviews as a business or do you not have the ability to do that? You can, yeah. You simply remove your Google business profile. Okay, but so the whole profile has to go away. It's not like you can have a profile and not accept reviews. Correct. Okay, so if you have a profile, which I feel like we all kind of have to have, right? Or need. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think the more the more um, prevalent reviews are becoming for businesses, regardless of, of what industry you're in, it can be the most refined, well-oiled machine of an establishment. And their average review might be 3.7. And I think when you are a wedding venue, and, and now now I have a Google business profile under, under my name, oh. and I allow reviews. And very fortunate because it's all five-star reviews, but that's a blessing and a curse because 
I'm just waiting for the day to get a two-star review from somebody or a one-star review, whether it's a client or not. Because what's really tough about that is you could have a really great experience with a client, but maybe they were, maybe they're just not confrontational at all, right? And and you ask them, how was everything? Oh my gosh, it was so great. Thank you for everything. We appreciate it. Shake hands, give a hug, and off you go and off they go. And then all of a sudden, a month and a half goes by and you get an email notification that you have a new Google review and it's a three-star review from a client. And you're like, what on earth happened? You told me everything was good. And then they bring out everything was good, but here's some other things or everything. Mm -hmm. So it just comes with the territory. I don't necessarily look at businesses differently that have that, that may not have a five-star average review. To me, that's almost impossible sure. to get. Um, and I, again, it's just a matter of time before, you know, hopefully nobody listening right now is like, oh, yeah. well, well, let's give him one. Well, what I find that we get it from, and I don't know about any other vendors, is from guests that don't have a, like, I don't, we've never gotten a bad review to my knowledge or anything less than a five-star from a client. It's a guest who was like, yeah. oh, you know, I didn't like the food, which isn't us. I wanted the dance floor in the center. That would have been more fun. I mean, things like that, that I just, it, and it makes me crazy, but maybe I need to, you know. I'm it, like, oh. yeah. Yeah. To your point, somebody's experience at your venue as a guest is nothing but subjective. Right. There's no standard of of practice or procedure or care that goes with a wedding venue. There's common sense, there's practicalities, but no matter what, when you're inviting as a client 200 people into a space where 90 some percent of those individuals have never been there before they're comparing and contrasting the past weddings that they've been to. And at times all they're doing during that wedding is comparing your wedding to somebody else's. Right. I'd and I'd love to say, I mean, I wouldn't love to say it, but some of the things they're complaining about is the client's choice. So it's like, you should be reviewing your friend, <laughs> right? You know, the dance floor not being in the center isn't my choice. It's where the client would want it. Or, you know, some of the things are, are not within my control. So I, and I think a lot of vendors probably experience that. You can even experience that as a DJ, right? If they had oh certain song choices they wanted or didn't, or the caterer with the food, like if the menu, you told them this was going to be tough to pull off or they didn't order enough and they weren't listening to you, like all of those things, we don't have that way to say, you know, it really wasn't our decision kind of situation. So um, yeah, that can, that can be tough. I think the hardest part about this entire industry is knowing and understanding that every single thing you are doing is subjective. Mm -hmm. Somebody's favorite song that I'm playing or a song that I'm playing may be somebody's favorite song, but it also could be somebody's least favorite song, a song that maybe every time they hear it, they think about a nasty breakup they went through, or they think about, you know, a death in the family or whatever. And, or 
they don't like the lyrical content or they think the bass is too loud. I actually have a story from a, a very recent wedding that I've done that kind of goes into my point here is I'm playing the first dance. Couples out there having a beautiful moment. Again, I know my speakers and my equipment inside and out, you know, so I have everything really dialed in going to certain venues. I just kind of know when to take this out and add this and do this and do this. <clears throat> so the couples, the, the, the couples sharing their first dance and this gentleman who's probably in his early to mid seventies, if I had to guess, comes up to me during their first dance, during the dance, oh, during the dance. Okay. And he's like doing, doing one of these, here we go. Been here before. Hey, I'm not trying to be rude at all. I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be a jerk. He said that probably three or four times. All we can hear is bass. We can't hear anything else. And I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, so I was like, really? You're, you're kidding me. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for that feedback. Thank you. I look at all my settings to make sure the bass wasn't too high. I look at my mixer to make sure my low end knob isn't surprisingly up. Sure. Everything was like flat. The song itself wasn't very bassy. So it was like a minute and a half to two minutes before their song was done. So I went around to kind of where he was at. And there was, again, it's subjective. Yes. But there was nothing about that song that you couldn't hear. The lyrics you could hear, all of the components of the sound and the song, you could hear everything. And so I go back and I'm just like, man, what on earth was that guy talking? But again, one ear out the other because I've been doing this for so long. But it's just really, huh? so annoying sometimes, right? And I think so for those of you, you know, listening that you have to be dealing with the same things we are, whether it's just feedback in the event, right? You know, that's uh, that's tough too, right? From somebody who's like, you know, you should change this or you should do that. I've gotten way better in my career. You know, year one, I might've been like, of course, right. Now I'll be like, well, actually we're not going to do this because of this, right? If I know the right solution. Uh, but those Google reviews, especially those that seem just really random, um, they're gonna happen, like you said, because our what we do is is very subjective. I think one thing that, and I haven't been good about it, but I'm actually going to be doing more of it. So if you are having Google reviews, have a Google profile or Facebook or wherever, you should definitely be responding to them, um, either with a thank you. Um, and I haven't been good about this. I'll raise my hand. And it seems like just one more thing, but it's really important. Um, and respond to those negative ones too, in as positive of a way as you can. I did respond to that review kind of like, I hope, I hope you had a great time. That was the couple's decision, you know, so hope you still had fun. Um, kind of in the hopes that maybe that person would rethink their, you know, cause I said that really hurts us to get a three-star review. So, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with advocating for yourself to try to get somebody to take it down. You know, if you don't feel it's justified, as long as you can come up at them with grace and kindness and, and explain, um, explain that. Um, so I, I think you should respond to them. Um, I, yeah. And I, I do think it's important, you know, to have those reviews out there. People they're Googling you, they're Googling everybody. That's how they're finding us still. So it's just kind of that, um, double-edged sword, you know, but, I, and the other thing I'll say is I do think it's important. People are like, how do you get more reviews? You have to ask for them. Like you, if you're not asking your clients for them, 
chances of them going and leaving one are pretty small. Oh, yeah. So we actually, um, after a wedding, we always send our client a thank you email. Um, kind of the way we do it, I'll totally reveal it here, is we send them a thank you email. Um, you know, it's very rare that we are ever concerned about the client's feedback. Um, where, you know, but we um, send them that. And then if they reply to us with like, it was great. Thank you so much. Then we'll ask them for a review. Um, tell them they can put the same review on all platforms, but how much we do appreciate it. Uh, and then we do get quite a few from our clients. And then we incentivize our team. Um, if they get five-star reviews and their name is mentioned, or we know it was their client, um, there's some incentives, some financial, we just kind of do, it's kind of a fun thing. And then we share it. So if you have people that you're working with and they get a shout out on a platform, we have a text chain and we share it like, Hey, way to go. So it's just another great morale booster for our team as well. Yeah. So. I think you should put, not you just in general, people that are listening, Sure. you should put five times the amount of effort into sharing a five-star review than the time and energy that is spent on a three-star review. Now, again, one, two, three, four-star reviews. I remember working with a different company um, that we were kind of developing at the time pouring our heart and soul into every single thing that we're doing. And I remember early on, we would have clients that would leave reviews on wedding wire or the knot. Those were kind of the two main websites in the world of weddings. Google was almost secondary at that point, not nearly as predominant as it is now. Sure. And they would leave these four star reviews. They were so incredible. Everything was great. Gosh, we love this and we love that and four stars. And we're like, well, what did we do wrong? Like what? <laughs> And for some people, I was talking with, with with the individual that was running that company at the time, and he was like, some people look at five-star reviews as something that is like impossible, right? Like nobody's ever going to get a five. Like I'm not, a five-star was like perfection. The, the day wasn't perfect, but it was worth four stars. And it can crush you a little bit, but as long as you, to your point, responding to them, depending on what that review how, how it reads, right? Like if they're, mm -hmm. it, it's worth responding to. Um, then I, I think you just continue really pounding the point home, not only with the five-star reviews that you're getting, but just like what you stand for as a company, right? And I think responding to reviews puts this human sort of touch and emotion into like, we saw what you said. Um, we're not sitting here denying anything. We both know it's subjective. We both know what you're talking about is completely subjective, but we're, we'll address your quote concerns that you'll never even think about again in, in two days once you get back home from the wedding venue. More, This is more on the guest side of things. Sure. Um, noted, carry on, have a great day. And, and I don't know too many potential clients that would look at that review and be like, oh, yeah, Uncle Dan, he had a really bad experience at this venue. I don't know if I'm going to go forward with this. And I think a lot of individuals look at that and they're like, oh, man, that was being way too critical. You know, yeah. like, why would somebody go out of their way and write a review like that? Now, I'm a little bit more prone to confrontation. I don't necessarily run from that at all. So if I'm ever in a position, whether it's at a hotel, whether it's at a restaurant or a place where you're spending a significant amount of money and something is clearly 
being missed or a ball has been dropped, I'll typically ask for the manager and be super nice, super kind to say, hey, listen, you know, I run a business. I know how this works. I know how hard managing people are. I know how hard it is to train people. I just wanted to share my experience of what happened um, just so you could just so you know that, like just between me and you, just so you can know that I'm not going to be the guy that's going to go and leave you a one star review out of the blue, because as an owner of a business, you may not know these things are going on. Mm -hmm. And business owners that have employees, you know exactly what I'm saying. One of the hardest parts about growing a successful business or a brand is when you are delegating the responsibility that is in your DNA to other people and you're not there, right? And you talk about this a lot, Megan, like new venue owners. That carries in, in my opinion, to new restaurant owners, to uh, new owners that are running... I mean, a bowling alley or whatever that you need to be on site as much as you possibly can that first one, two, three years. I mean, I don't know what the right time frame is. You you would probably know that before you start saying, all right, I'm out of here. I'm going to cross my fingers that this is going to run the way that I want it to. And I think when you have that sort of mindset right off the bat, you're looking at this as well, I invested in this, I'm going to hire people and I'm out. The wedding industry, I'm telling you, it's way too emotional to delegate too quickly. It absolutely is. I think that it's so important that you know, you know what you need from people. I mean, if you don't know, if you haven't been in the industry or, you know, this happens a lot with venues, venues have become kind of the very hip thing to do, right? I own a venue. If you aren't in the industry, you need to understand what it takes to run a venue before you know who you need to hire and you know what you're asking of them. Because if you haven't run a wedding, you have no idea what is involved. Um, you really don't. You don't know how hard it is. Um, so to hire somebody, um, you don't know, you know, so if your team, you can easily burn people out. You can easily ask too much of them, too little of them, you know, whatever it is. So I think um, that's a big mistake. I think in our industry, especially unless you have been in the shoes of any part of our industry, photography, DJ, catering, you really don't know what, what it is until you're in it. Um, it's just, it's just an interesting industry. Right. And it, uh, I, it's wonderful. I wouldn't do anything else. I love it, but I don't think people realize, realize what it is. I mean, case in point, you and I had some fun, stuff we had to take care of this weekend. Yeah. That if somebody told you like that's part of what you have to do as a event, you'd be like, what? You know, uh just all the little like last minute. You have to be extremely resilient. You have to be prepared for things. You can be the best planner and clients still throw you for a loop. You've got family dynamics. I mean there's so many moving parts and things that you can plan and you just can't prepare for. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would love to hear your thoughts on this and, and and also those that are listening that are running a business with multiple employees. I think what's so difficult to get your mind wrapped around is that when you open up, whether it's a brick and mortar or a digital brand, whatever it is that was your inception it's like it's your baby it's, it's your idea it's your concept and you spend hours and hours and hours and hours to get it launched <clears throat> and 
and you're finding some success in the things that you're doing. And now you know you're onto something, but you can't do it all yourself anymore. And now you start to hire maybe one employee and you're rocking with that one employee for a year. And now all of a sudden your demands start to increase. And now you're up to seven employees. Now you're up to 15, 20, 25, 30. I think you have to have this mental ability to be okay knowing that your business and the brand that you built, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, is going to diminish by like 30, 40%. Yeah, pretty accurate. I mean, I mean, maybe I'm wrong in that. Do you think, do you, and you can, you can absolutely disagree. I just think nobody is going to run your business the way that you will. No, no matter how much you're paying them, no matter how much you're training them, no matter your culture, no matter what your employees are telling you, nobody will care as much as you do. And I'm not saying that that's just the nature of the beast is what I I'm trying think, to Yeah. I think you lose a little something for sure. I think and that you do. I mean, you being there versus, now that may not be true in every single case. You may have an employee who is better at that part of the business than you are maybe. The, the, but the client front facing, the interaction, the how, you know, the links you'd go to to make a day successful or a client happy are probably much higher if the owner is there um, because you, you care so much about it. Um, I think what, what we, I lose a little bit, you know, when I'm not there again is some knowledge base, right? I just know the answers to all the questions. So when newer people come in, they just may not know exactly how to, to handle those things. Um, again, they may not be as passionate about making that client happy. Um, what, what has helped for me, and then as a business owner, when you shift into more of that leadership role and you're less hands-on, it doesn't really, in, in some ways it lessens the intensity of owning the business, but in some ways it doesn't. And I think where people get frustrated, like myself, it's like everything still comes back to you in some way or another. If you have an employee who messes something up or gets, you know, a, is makes a client unhappy or is sick or like it all ultimately comes back to you. And if you think it doesn't or it shouldn't, you're going to set yourself up for some real, you know, sorrow. So you kind of always have to be prepared for that. The beautiful thing is a lot of times now my weekends are free, you know, because I'm not physically running a wedding, but I could be having plans and have somebody get sick and have to change that at the last minute. I own the business, right? The thing that I think has helped me get really great results from my team and really is I, I can't be hands off totally. I mean, we still run a two to three hour staff meeting every Monday. I'm still very involved. That sets us up for very good success every week. Um, I think I will do that forever and ever. I think for me, and I do think that could transfer over to a lot of different pieces of this industry. If you have a associate photographers, your catering team, your floral team, your decor team, whatever your DJs, it, you've got to they've you've got to have your pulse on what they're up to and check in with them on their weddings. To me, that ends up kind of like making sure we don't and we you know do we still sometimes have hiccups or you know a floor plan isn't right or whatever. Yes, but it uh, kind of pushes off a lot of disasters before they happen. And so, uh, but yeah, you just never can 
you just, if you own the business, you know, I, I don't know, unless I'm doing it wrong, but I, in this industry specifically, it's very hard to just be totally not connected uh, in any way. Um, so it's kind yeah. of just part of the deal. Specifically because weddings, they move so quickly. I mean, mm -hmm. you're from one weekend to the next. It, it's not to say that each one don't have their own individual significance. Of course they do. But if you aren't taking the time as a business with multiple employees to have those Monday morning staff meetings to iron out every detail that you might find ridiculous or not, you have to address those things to make sure that these bigger to, to make sure that these minor issues aren't turning into bigger problems down the road. And I would be very curious to know and understand how many groups in the wedding industry are actually communicating throughout those topics of, of what happened the past weekend or how they're going to look at next year and the strategy. It's just, we, we've talked about this a lot too. And this is zero disrespect to our team. I, I love our team and I love the people that are that are on our team. I've come to the realization over the last year that I'm not necessarily naturally built to manage people. Mm -hmm. I love to lead. I love to coach. Those two things are completely different than managing people. You are a much better manager of people. Um because you can digest the small issues and the small frustrations way better than I can. Um, I just, you know, my mindset, maybe it's being a three on the Enneagram, mm -hmm. I don't know, but I was thinking a lot about this, um, actually on my drive back from my wedding this weekend, on like, where do I find my, where, where do I seek my purpose the most like like where is where's the meaning behind the things that i do when it comes to to working with other people mm, sure and it, it it also it runs into how i parent i'm finding that the 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 most joy that i find as a parent is playing the role of a mentor you know we mm. put something out on facebook um melissa and i uh with asher doing a test run right here actually yeah camera and microphone and Asher was severely tongue-tied at a young age and it went misdiagnosed which is a story for a different day don't even get me started on that but we knew something was up with the speech and I could tell as he was getting older it was kind of playing with him a little bit right mm -hmm. like you could tell he was getting frustrated with not being able to say things as clearly or as quickly uh, he wasn't able to convey a message. I, I could just, I could see his brain just based even within his facial expressions that he was getting frustrated trying to process certain sentences. And we got to get ahead of this, right? And so he's been in speech therapy. He's doing a great job. His, his confidence is increasing and his character and all of these things. I love sitting him down, talking about the importance of being disciplined to practice words. And here's, if you practice this, here's what could come with that. Sure. And maybe it's because he's my son, but everything I say to him, I mean, it just fills my heart with so much love is that he, he takes everything I say to heart, right? It's like, yeah, dad. Yeah. And he's so eager and excited and he's challenged by it and he's ready to go. 
when I don't have that sort of reciprocation with the people that I'm talking to, it it kills me. Yeah. It abs and, it, and it's just, I, I don't get angry. I don't get frustrated. I just get so exhausted that I just, I cannot do it anymore. Yeah. I 100% I think a lot of that is the Enneagram three. You're, you can see potential in people that they can't see. And you're like, I can get you there. I know the path I, you know, and you're all about your high achieving. You're all about, you know, pumping people up and you do that. And if it falls flat or someone's like, okay, thanks. And they don't do anything with it. Like it's just has to be so defeating to your soul. Right. It's, it's not an ego thing for a three. It's just like, like it's sad almost. Right. And so you can only take that so much, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I do think that I, I do well with managing a team and, and trying to keep them excited and have fun and lighthearted and, you know, the hard part were hard part for me though, too, is I, I have frustrations of like, I've said this a thousand times, you know, um, it's kind of like being a parent, like for me where I get frustrated, but again, I, I handle it well, I think is, is because the reputation of my business is on the line. So I can get a little frustrated when people don't do the things like the simple things that, that I've said that I want, want to have done. But um, I don't, I do enjoy the team a lot. I enjoy managing them and, and watching them grow and learn. And, and uh, it's really cool when you can have someone else run a wedding and you just know, like, I don't have to worry about that individual. Like, I don't have to worry about that. That client's in great hands. Like that feels really good. And that person feels really good about their role and their job, but it's, it is the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing. And then you'll get great people and they leave or they move or, you know, they do something else. And so you're, you're constantly trying to, to reinvent your business. It's a tough physical game. It's a tough mental game. It's, it's, uh, it's tricky to think of like, am I going to be relevant forever? And so there's ways you can do that now where you can, again, have some passive income, recommending other people, things like that. There's other avenues in this business ways to make money for sure. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, this for was a fun sure. conversation. I, it I, get, was. I don't know when we're going to be officially moved in. Uh, I'm heading to, uh, to the old studio here this week and starting to put pieces together. I don't think it's going to take too long. I'm just, I'm really, really excited. And I've said this for the last four episodes probably, but uh, yeah, we're, we're, we excited. Are, we're excited. It just, work life is getting in the way. <laughs> yeah, who would have We're thought? both so busy with weddings and uh I've jumped you've been DJing, you know, kind of finishing up, wrapping up, you know, a few. I've been doing more weddings than I ever have. Oops, I hit my table. Um just I've got someone out who, you know, had a baby and just got different things going on and we just have so much volume. So we both have literally been really working this industry hard for the last, you know, few weeks, month and, and haven't been able to dive into finishing the studio. So we're going to try to knock that out, get that done. Yeah. It'll be a completely different aesthetic. Uh, we're excited about the potential of what this studio will now bring. Um, we have a couple of virtual guests that are going to be coming on and then most importantly, bringing on some in-person guests and, and being able to do that the right way. Um, it's been, it's been fun learning all of that stuff and, uh, we're really anxious to, to bring that to you. Uh, check out our website, ananellis.com. It's been completely redesigned um, and developed in a way that uh, this shows everybody where we're going. And we are very fortunate uh, to have 
uh, some clientele already built into that, uh, individuals that we've been coaching and just helping them grow their business in a way that is really unique than most business coaching, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, if, if you look at everything that is on that website, it's things that Megan and I hold most important to us in our lives, bringing this level of inner peace to your business. And I think everybody talks about how to make more money and how to scale and how to make more money and how to scale and how to do this and, and more market share and this. I get it. That is a great way to make more money. But does that tie into your happiness? Does that tie into your ability to be present with your family? Um, money should just kind of be a byproduct of the things that mean the most to you if you're doing it the right way. And those are specifically the tools that we talk about in our coaching sessions and the master classes that we're going to be coming out with. Um, I have a master class that is coming out that is all about building a bulletproof network, a strategic partnership ecosystem that I'm telling you is indestructible when it comes to the trends and the seasons and this and that and the peaks and valleys like this is a way to really have a solid grip on how you're generating leads how you're generating clients and what you do with them once you have them um so that's going to be coming out here very very soon but in the meantime check us out ananellis.com check us out on youtube uh we started with 22 subscribers megan we have five let me look here i'm so proud of this we have 500 and let me see internet's going slow got that automatic trailer playing here 544 subscribers what Isn't that's that crazy? crazy that is crazy thank you so much for anybody who follows and listens i mean truly that's just incredible that people um give us their time and and listen and and like you said to our, all of our coaching, what I think is one of the most valuable things is we have both kind of built our businesses from the ground up. We're not just talking about things that we think sound cool. Like we've done it. We've walked in your shoes or can hold the light, the lantern ahead for you because we've done it. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's really important. So I love being able to share like, oh, I did this. This works really well. Or, you know, this just didn't work for me. I've tried it because I've tried it all. And I know you have too. And we've, uh, we've really lived and breathed this, yeah. this industry. So it's fun I, to share. We just want people to be really smart about the longevity and sustainability of their business. It's, it's a really fun, exciting time in your life when you start a business, but I can't help but look at anybody's business 10 years down the road and say, now what are you going to do? Yeah. Right? Like, how are you going to continue with this level of success 10 years from now, will it always be you? Are you sure it's going to be all of your employees or is there a better way to do things that also bring you again, that level of, of, of peace and tranquility in your life? That's what I, my, that's what we're all looking for, mm -hmm. right? We're all looking for ways to have enough money to do all the things we want to do. You can take that and put in insert whatever dollar amount you want, but we all want freedom, flexibility, with our lives and our calendar. And those are the things that we really dive deep on. And uh, for those that are, are watching and listening and we're not speaking to you, move on. This isn't the right channel for you. But if the things that we are saying are resonating with you, then I encourage you to dive a lot deeper. So follow us, YouTube, or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, we're going hard on LinkedIn. Our YouTube channel is definitely evolving as well. And uh, 
we'll see you all soon. Megan, always great chatting with you. I know how crazy busy you are. So thanks for. Yeah. <laughs> the fun schedule. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Well, it will, we'll get through it. It's been a fun last yeah. few weeks. So yeah. can't wait uh, to finish up the wedding season and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. So awesome. see you guys then. Thank you guys. Bye-bye.